welcome to 2022 and what an exciting upcoming year I have planned for us. Thanks for joining me and listening to Trauma and Social Work Podcast. I am your host, Tanya Octave, the Integrative Clinician. This year, the focus is going to be on Octave's method. I will discuss seven strategies to heal thy mind and how you can develop, implement, and strategize a plan to bring you towards wellness, happiness, and success. The Octaves Method is a simple way to talk about an integrative plan using my last name. There are seven strategies. One, O is for observation. This will address one's spiritual health. Two, C is for compassion, to manage one's ego health. Three, T is for therapy, to address mental and emotional health. Four, A is for animals, to address playful, childlike behaviors, and also considering animals and pets to support this process. Five, V is for victuals, one's nutritional health. Six, E is for exercise, one's physical health. And seven, S is for socialize, relational health, primarily focusing on yourself and less with others. As you listen over the following months, you will learn how symptoms associated with anxiety, depression, trauma, ADHD, and even autism can be managed in an integrative fashion. You have many options in how you choose to listen. You may decide to get a pen and a pencil and take some notes. You may choose to listen while engaged in another activity like walking, cleaning the house, maybe even driving, but be mindful of safety, especially during our meditation episodes. You may also choose to listen to episodes in part or binge watch them on a particular day. You have options and however you choose, thanks for your support. So let's get started. psychological, mental health, or legal advice. Although I am a licensed professional, this is intended for information only and not as a formal treatment. By listening, you are agreeing to these terms. You should seek a professional for individual and specific questions regarding your overall wellness, happiness, and success. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. Last week was the second round of O for Observation. I wrote about some ideas associated with spiritual trauma. It was exciting for me to put these ideas out there. Also, on some level, I continued the conversation about trauma 
and how it is more than a car accident, sexual abuse, going to war, or having a near-death and terrifying experience. Spiritual trauma is an experience, and the mind, body, spirit is activated for long periods. This can move you towards illness, or if you choose, can move you towards wellness. If you are a mental health professionals, consider this in your assessment. If you are experiencing a spiritual trauma, ask for help to help process those experiences with a trained professional. Now, as we continue to move on, we will explore C for compassion. I have shared previously that compassion involves caring for yourself. I enjoy using journals and I do write on my own as well. I wanted to share with you another idea about compassion, although mm, it's this stuff that I talk about in terms of forgiveness. Yes, forgiveness. It involves letting go of experiences with others, forgiving yourself for choices, reactions, and triggers. Let me give some examples of these ideas. We have all shared experiences in the past and we wanted things to turn out differently. You can consider a moment in the past when you made a choice. This choice resort resulted in other people, let's say, reacting in some way. The experience could involve doing or saying something to yourself. Maybe that's out of your character. You felt the experience was about the other person. They made you do something out of your personality. You reacted to them. Then instead of understanding the choice you made as a learning opportunity, opportunity, you internalize the experience. The way this internalization process is internalized could lead one towards depressive symptoms. I wanted to think of an example that may be able, or in some way that you may be able to relate to on some level. So if you are a parent, Recall a time when your child did something or acted in some way, acted somehow. And an example may be you're at a store and your child wants a toy or candy. You tell him no, then he grabs it anyways. You say to him in various ways that he's not getting the toy. He starts to get agitated. He starts yelling and screaming and kicking his feet. You try to hold your ground. You believe that there's two choices going on right now. To give him the toy, to avoid your son's just disruptive behavior. Or two, you have a firm no and ignore the screaming, looks from others, and embarrassment that may be experienced in this situation. These small moments within the mind, body, and spirit tells you, judges you, for either choice you make. For some, you start to have feelings of being a bad parent. You start to judge yourself as your parent. You're conflicted. And it isn't easy to get out of this situation, especially when the irrational thoughts just start racing and racing and racing in the mind. I saw this exact situation play out at Target one early morning. 
The mom was getting increasingly frustrated and I noticed the nonverbal and verbal way she was trying to communicate with her son. She chose the firm no. No, I said no. No, you're not listening. No. This worked at least initially. Her son began his reactive processes. As his intensity increased, there was the battle between the two of them. After some time of her son's continued behavior, the mom, she just decided to give him the toy. It was a small action figure. I think it was Spider-Man or something. The crying stopped and mom was able to continue the shopping. During my observation, I noticed mom went into a panic. She was embarrassed and ashamed by feeling that the moment with her son was uncomfortable and she had to make a choice. Her choice though made her feel as if she was a bad parent. You could see it. It was in her energy. It was in her disposition. Her choice made her experience that there are struggles as a parent. Her choice made it appear as if she was focused on her son and not the internal dialogue. In a situation like this, your choices are not just A or B. The good part is that you can make a choice that involves your healing. It took some time for me to figure this out when my children were younger too. I too have been in the same situation. I used to make both choices, A or B. Then there were, there were many times where I had the firm no. Then there were times when I just gave in because of embarrassment or shame. When I learned in my own healing, what I learned in my own healing in this process was compassion. Let me say that one more time. What I learned in my own healing and moving towards wellness was compassion. Compassion for me. Now, I will say things are different. I understand that my children may have needs expressed directly. I can choose to engage my child on their level, thinking that there's only this like A and B option. Another perspective is acknowledging and appreciating what I'm experiencing at this moment. If I am well nourished, energized, sleeping well, and compassionate with myself, these events and others like them, it's not about my child, but it's going to provide me useful information about me, the stuff that I like. It is not the choice that I make. Do I do the A or B? It is usually my stuff at this moment. If I am moving towards wellness, I am patient, kind, and understand that every choice I make is through love. It is still about me if I am struggling and I may react or feel triggered, putting me out of balance. This is all to say, if you take care of yourself, let me repeat that. If you take care of yourself, experiences like these will be appreciated differently. It becomes an indication to you that you may need to work on something such as consistently having a consistent sleeping schedule. It may be an indication that you may need more movement, exercise in your body. It indicates that foods you eat activate 
thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and reactions. It means there is a need to be more grounded, do more meditation, laugh, and have an internal dialogue filled with compassion. Let's look again at the same scenario. You are at the store and your child wants a toy. In the past, you made a choice and that choice brought about some negative feelings about yourself. I am suggesting that you work to change this experience by being compassionate. On day one, I give the child my toy, or I give the child the toy, not because of his disruptive behaviors, but because I am tired and see anxiety, anxiety building up in him. I don't feel bad about myself. I feel good. I'm learning to let things go. I feel good about myself for recognizing that I'm tired, I'm sleepy, oh, I'm hungry. And sometimes I'm gonna make life a little easier in the moment. He just may get the toy and then I'm letting it go and that's it. On day two, I don't give the toy to my child and his disruptive behaviors continue. Although the anxiety may build up, I think to myself, I don't let it consume me. I recognize it is there. I tell myself, huh, this is a little uncomfortable for me. How does it feel for me to be in this situation? Everyone looking and staring. I sit in the uncomfortable and recognize it as my growth. I appreciate I am growing, not because I said no to my son, but because I am building my capacity to be uncomfortable. I am creating awareness of what is going on with me at this moment. I am building the foundation that supports and comforts me in this process. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. It should be noted that the focus was not on my son, but it was on me. My son was not doing something to me in the store. I was doing something to myself at that moment. I was blaming him and not growing. I am suggesting keeping the focus on you. I am suggesting doing this from a place of compassion. As you develop your mental wellness plan, this is your way to learn and discover more stuff about you from a space of kindness. Over time, as you practice keeping the focus on yourself, it gets easy. Remember, that is a practice. And if you wait until the anxiety is already high, it's gonna be too difficult to keep the focus on you. We usually resort back to our old patterns. And it's possibly gonna result in a reaction to your son's behavior. No, it's a practice. So start now when things are calm and you can go through your daily life keeping the focus on yourself. Let's consider the intensity of emotions that arise on freeways. There is traffic when you are driving in a car. You notice irritability growing inside of you. Ask yourself, what's going on with me? Take notice of yourself, not the traffic, not the driver that cut you off, but you. What 
feelings are being experienced? What sensations are activated within the body? Where is this coming from? Are you practicing the steps in your wellness plan? Or, or are you stressed causing you to move away from wellness and towards illness? This is how traffic used to go for me. Oh, Tanya, I'm sitting here in traffic. I will be late. What is going on? Is there an accident or something? Hey, Tanya, Tanya, are you moving towards wellness or illness? Breathe, breathe, nuh-uh, breathe, slow it down, stop, stop, okay, look around, Tanya, what is going on for you? What do you notice? Ah. There it is. I'm working on patience. I need to slow down. There's no rush. I'll get there when I'm supposed to arrive. This, this traffic stuff, it's all beyond my control. Ah, but it's an excellent opportunity to look within. So I'm feeling a little impatient. I'm feeling worried. I'm feeling stressed. Why? I don't need to go anywhere. But when things don't go as planned, I get this way. Huh? Hmm. Why? I struggle with patience myself. I'm making stress arise now, and it's not needed. Hmm. Why though? I put pressure on myself to do more, to be more. Why? Uh-oh. Breathe. Breathe. Slow down. My body is calmer. My mind is focused on me. I'm working on patience. And once I get it down, I will not feel impatient. I will not worry. I'll not be stressed. Okay. Okay. I can control this because I control my thoughts, behaviors, and feelings. These are moments when I struggle with patience. This is one of those moments, but I got this because I keep the focus on me. So how does that sound to you? Is this a practice you can try and try and try? Traffic was an absolute chaotic experience. If you knew me in my twenties and early thirties, I would zigzag in and out of traffic. I had little regard for others and only focused on going as fast as possible. I cut people off, changed lanes with little notice, and always felt that driving was a race. Now, I'm not a slow driver. That's not what this is about. 
It's about keeping the focus on me. So when I have moments, I slow down and I work through the moments. It is within these moments that there is growth. I sit in traffic now and I immediately put something I'd wanted to listen to and there's no stress. There are even times I'm hoping for traffic so I can finish an audiobook, a podcast, lecture, or even an album. I move from this craziness with traffic towards experience this as an opportunity to enjoy. Wow, traffic is now an opportunity for me to enjoy. I just wanted to reflect a little bit on the process of asking the why questions. And this is where psychotherapy or something equivalent can help you sort out the internal dialogue. If you stay within the internal dialogue without having a professional to guide you through the process, you will get caught up in your own thoughts because the ego will want you to believe what it wants to believe so that it can survive. So I encourage you Although in the moment you're asking why questions, you're truly not going to understand that without reflecting on that um, with a, psych a psychotherapist or something equivalent. I hope you can see how some of this stuff is done. Now you can start to work on this for yourself. So here's a simple assignment. As you go through life, start to ask yourself, what is going on with me? Why am I reacting in this way? Is this purposeful at this moment? Or is it causing me unwanted stress? Before we can make changes, we must bring things into our awareness. Even when friends and family told me, it took me time to realize my traffic experiences. I am working on patient and now I am patient. I control my thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and therefore I look within. There are rare moments when I'm in traffic and feel agitation arising because I need to work on patience, but it still slips out every once in a while. Remember, it's my process, and I engage in the process with self-compassion. When these agitations do occur, I keep the focus on myself. There will be a day when I'm driving in traffic and you look at me and see me smiling and laughing <laughs> and having a peaceful, delightful and energetic time in my car. I know the same thing can happen to you if you do the work and reflect what's going on with me at this moment. What feelings am I experiencing? What sensations are arising in my body? Where is this coming from? What does it feel like to sit in this uncomfortability without trying to change? Remember, you must understand something deeply and decide what you want to do. You may wish to change this part of you. You may want to keep it as it may be helpful and have a purpose meaning for you in that moment. I wanted to also share 
that my book has been released. You can purchase it on Amazon, Heal the Mind, Seven Strategies Towards Mental Wellness, Happiness, and Success. I will attach the link in the write-up. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Trauma and Social Work Podcast. I am your host, Tanya Octave. I am a licensed clinical social worker in California and Nevada. Please share this podcast with others. Like if there's a button to do so and subscribe to my channel. This lets me know the work is valuable and I will continue to share simple techniques to move you towards wellness, happiness, and success. I will end by saying, in order to successfully complete the journey of life, everyone needs to evolve spiritually. Ancient Kemetic Proverb. Creating your story for healing. Last week, I shared some information on compassion and knowing that we all have choices. We have options that will move us towards illness. Sometimes these are the things that we're just most familiar with. Then there are the other choices. The choices usually that are probably a little bit more challenging for most of us. They bring up resistance and sensations in our mind, body, and, and spirit, somewhat unfamiliar to us. I encourage you to think about the following. If you are doing the same thing repeatedly, you will get the same res results. Suppose you have depressive symptoms and there are no changes in your diet. If you are unwilling to move your body daily and you don't want to go deeper into, let's say, a spiritual practice, nothing will change. And the depressive symptoms will continue to increase, increase, increase. If you're going to make change in your life, it's an investment and requires you to do something, requires you to do many things differently. In the past, you made choices that potentially moved you towards mental illness, disease, fatigue, etc. Remember, you are making daily choices in your life. Now, you also have the choice to move towards wellness. This is an option. I know you may not believe it, it is an option. This will require you to do something different. Get out of your comfort zone. Think outside of the box and maybe engaging in activities and beliefs and thoughts that are unfamiliar, different and scary. Yes, even scary at times. So ask yourself, do you really, really, really want change in your life? I wanted to pause for a moment in asking that question so that it could be a little bit more reflective for you as you, as you answered. 
and thought about your responses. Okay, now this leads me, excuse me, now this leads me to another episode of Tea for Therapy. There are many options you have in terms of treatment. Mm, there are a couple of choices, and often patients don't ask enough questions at the onset of this process. If you are ready to venture into the therapeutic space, you want to connect with someone trained and, more importantly, someone you feel comfortable with early in the relationship. In my ideal world, insurance companies would have more flexibility in providing options to individuals and to families and to kids. Most insurance companies will give you a list of names. Some may call on your behalf a few providers, but for the most part, it's left up to you. Then at some point, hopefully, fingers crossed, you are connected to a licensed professional and the relationship begins. Still, there is little known about their area of expertise and experience working with individuals of various cultures, genders, language, dialects, and more. There are those in my profession who say, stuff's not important at all. I can be a blank slate. I can just go in there and I'm there just to be present while you work through your stuff. I agree. Uh, And I'm afraid I also have to disagree. Suppose the professional has done their own work. Suppose they had worked on their personal issues, traumas, anxieties, stuff, their stuff. Then yes, They can be a blank slate that might be helpful for some. In that case, it is not as important because they can provide you the type of attention, affection, and affirmation needed, especially when it is appropriate. However, there is no requirement by professionals in my profession to seek out their own mental health supports, which falls into the treatment with the client. I refer to this as countertransference. Ooh, this is some really good juicy stuff here in which the therapist's stuff, the clinician's stuff comes up in the treatment room and they are not even being aware, they're not even aware that this is going on so that it can be helpful information and beneficial to the client. It just blows out. I am told by just so many patients that their prior attempts in working with the therapist felt like they were providing therapy to the therapist. It was not the other way around. (coughs) Excuse me. With all that being said, what is my treatment approach with patients? I will talk in general terms because things grow as the relationships grow between you and I. I am trained in many methods, but wanted to speak more specifically to play therapy. When you think about play therapy, one assumes, ah, that stuff is just for kids, the little ones. Play therapy is for children, true. Play is a therapeutic process for kids as it uses their natural communication methods. It is a nonverbal way of communicating. And it requires me to make assessments, interventions, and integration that fits more naturally with kids. Okay. However, 
Let's not assume that play is not for adults, you older people, or, or I should say more mature. I have found that many adults struggle with play just in general. They were never given these developmental opportunities when they were kids. Adults forgot to play and find it now somewhat of an inconvenience. Their lives are so busy with distractions and being playful is just not a priority anymore. Play therapy is helpful for adults as it helps me to understand the dynamics of early childhood traumas, developmental challenges, barriers to social relationships, and potential limitations adults may have during their time in treatment. There is something beautiful about play and therefore, you can see children, mature adults, elderly, engaging in playful activities. For adults, there's an additional benefit. I have found that adults can have the insight and are open to therapeutic techniques such as confrontation. And this is a little bit more, or I say you gotta be a little bit more creative when you're using confrontation as a technique when you're working with younger people, especially teens. Play therapy for adults helps them integrate the childhood stuff with the adult stuff. They can find meaning and make sense of struggles in their life. Adults are creative in a way that provides them meaning in their lives and gives them a sense of love, a sense of compassion and forgiveness for themselves. Some of my work with children, teens, and adults, it involves play therapy. I am psychodynamically trained. Don't get me wrong, because I always believe in that particular practice as being very helpful. But play therapy helps me bring what is occurring in the subconscious mind into the conscious mind. It is a very useful tool. It helps me, it helps me and my patient work to bring about awareness and understanding in a way that doesn't happen for, <clears throat> in a way that doesn't happen for EMDR or CBT. Let me provide an example of a task. If appropriate, I may engage with a client, with a patient. You can also consider doing this to see what comes up for you. Keep in mind that doing something like this on your own will provide you with some understanding, but the therapeutic process provides a deeper, meaningful change process. So I like to create stories. Everyone has a story. Even if you believe your story is too painful to put on paper, suppose you think your story is boring or filled with lots of pain, disappointments, and rejections. This is all in your mind. You may also feel your story is exciting, but unsure where to start. How do I begin? Or what should I say? Play therapy can help. There are many ways to tell a story. Remember, I said earlier, you have choices. You may choose, you may choose words to express your story if you're a writer. You may select a painting, drawing, or picture to tell your story if you're an artist. If you are good at math, numbers and patterns may be your thing in expressing your story. If you're an athlete, 
You may tell your story through your body. If you're a thinker, reader, or intellectual, you may express your story through your mind. If you're a healer, empath, or philosopher, you can tell your story through spirituality, meditation, or religion. Your story is not about selling a book, hoping others will buy it or give it some worth. Your story is about you and finding a way to express it that provides you meaning. That's the healing part. It provides you meaning. I have worked with many people on their journey out of the uncomfortable feelings and sensations that arise in this body, mind, spirit interconnection. I have worked on writing down stories told to me. I have worked on creating songs, dances, and music as one expresses their story. I have even worked on developing movie scripts, plays, and even understanding mathematics and physics to help one understand and provide meaning in their life. This stuff is just so amazing. No, you are not limited. The only limitation you have is in your mind. The only limitation you have is in your mind. So I encourage you to think about your story now. I encourage you to consider what story you can express that provides meaning to you. Now, get to work. Don't just keep these ideas in your head, but start the work that is needed to inspire, to motivate, to put your story together. Make creating your story fun and be playful and intentional about the process. Dedicate time each day to allowing your story to manifest. Be consistent and don't let distractions with life get you off track. Yay! If you need some support in this area, seek a trained professional who can assist. This means finding a good therapeutic match for you. This may be a clinician, such as myself, it may be a counselor, a coach, spiritual advisor, philosopher, teacher, and whatever. Start the process because your story is needed to help you grow and move towards mental wellness. Thank you and good luck. Welcome at this moment. I wanted to slow down and provide space for us to breathe. This moment will soon pass as it has just passed already. Take a breath, breathing slowly and deeply into this moment. Thanks for this. It is much needed in preparation for life. The breath provides you with the means to just slow down. It gives you patience and calms the mind, body, spirit 
with all the agitations in life that are building up. So, last week, I encouraged everyone to listen to the benefits of therapy. I discussed ways play therapy is helpful to children and adults, but also to our young people. Then I provided you with an activity to begin. I encouraged you to create your story, a story that has meaning for you. This process brings up things in the unconscious parts of our memory. This process allows the flexibility to express your talents, whatever they are, as you are on your journey towards wellness. Then, for this week, I thought about A, for animals. And the many benefits, gifts, and precious moments that they provide us in the healing process. I first thought it would be nice to talk about my journey with these big creatures on earth, hoping some of you could relate, but also knowing that there was still some sadness for me. One of my first experiences with death was with the loss of my cat, Chaco. He was an all-black, green-eyed, black cat. Growing up, this was our family pet, so I learned how to care for the feline animal early on in life. I had to feed Jocko, change his kitty litter box, and look out for him when he was outside and away. I recall one inspiring night when Jocko came home after a long day exploring the outdoors. He ran into the house and dropped off what appeared to be a rat on the living room floor. Oh, no. My 10-year-old self started screaming hysterically. My mom, not knowing what was going on, ran into the living room and attempted to calm me. Uh, But I was a little dramatic back then. Still a little dramatic till this day. Tears were running down my face, unable to control my breath. My body went into a trauma response. My mom was a little distraught and called upon my brother, who was 13 or so at the time, to come and get the rat. Walking into the room, he picked up the rat, attempted to tease me with it as some brothers tended to do, and disposed of it outside in the trash. In my mind, I made the connection that death was ultimate. It wasn't in these cartoons that I used to watch when the character would die and then get back up in a few more minutes and keep going on with the scene but it was an ultimate form. I feared more that my cat, Jocko, was injured, not understanding the meaning behind the rat. I did not let Jocko go outside for many weeks until one day he snuck out, Uh, but never returned. Weeks had gone by and Jocko was nowhere to be seen. 
My mom and I put up signs in the neighborhood looking for our little Jocko. I, I couldn't focus on school, and I cried a lot during that period, most of which I did not understand, and all the why questions could not be answered. I begged and begged my mom to find Jocko, so she took me to the pound. I recalled seeing a similar cat that I wanted to be Jocko. However, that cat was aggressive and mean. That wasn't my precious little Jocko. Although they looked identical. And my mind tried to convince me of this. I knew deep in my heart it wasn't Jocko. On the way leaving the animal facility, my mom saw a book. So she decided to look at the book and found a picture of Jocko. It appeared that he was hit by a car and died. That was it for me. I completely lost it. I fell down, crying hysterically. My mom could not control my emotional state. I was dysregulated, emotional, intense. I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk. I couldn't move. Like being paralyzed. It must have been about an hour or so. And my mom was finally able to get me to the car. That at the time was the most painful experience for me. And... My first experience with the loss, at least that I could recall in my conscious memories. It was not until I was in around maybe 10th grade that the death of Jocko started to make sense to me. You see, my favorite teacher, well, the only teacher who ever took time to connect with me, I felt she understood me, she was patient, and she saw something different and unique about me. Well, she died. And if you are from Long Beach, California, and you went to Poly High School, you knew Miss Dunn because she was terrific. She had an illness she didn't talk about, but she shared being sick with me. I remembered many conversations with her. And one, she told me about her trip to Africa and how she had a beautiful time there. She lived her dream. And she also told me a little about her illness and it was making her sick and that she wanted to go. She wanted to be with God. I didn't know much about spirituality or religion at that time. I only knew I had another loss, and her death was emotionally difficult for me. However, I didn't fall apart. I was able to maintain my sanity. Don't get me wrong, I was sad, and don't get me wrong, I cried, but she died, so it was appropriate. I was grieving. It made sense. Her funeral was beautiful with great speeches from her loved ones, beautiful African dancers, and messages about her transition and returning home to God. For me, I needed the experience of my first pet, Jocko, to help. 
He provided me space to feel what it was like to grieve and lose something so precious. He prepared me for life and for the other losses I would experience in life. Oh, and my favorite teacher, Miss Dunn. She helped me to bring things into perspective, to grow, to know that there is so much more in life that my mind can't, can't even imagine. This is only a tiny part of what pets can do for kids. I hear about losses of pets from children. You know, kids who go into foster care, they lose their pets. They lose them through death, but they also lose them because they are being removed from the family home. They are also being removed from their family pets. This type of secure attachment. Even at times, courts can order visitation with parents and they'll even sometimes order visitation with other siblings if they're separated from them. But I don't ever see orders of family pets. I hear about the losses of pets dying through abuse, fires, mishaps, like stepping on an animal on accident and the pet dying. This creates psychic traumas especially if it is not nurtured and the kids are not provided space for grieving. Remember, my mom was patient and allowed me to sit, to scream, to cry, to be dysregulated, have a temporary moment of paralysis for about an hour. This was all a part of the healing process. I hear stories from adults about pets aging, getting sick, and experiencing symptoms of loneliness, abandonment, and personality changes. I too, I have three pets. My oldest pet is experiencing a lot of the aging processes of pets. I'll say it happens for pets. It doesn't always have to happen for humans. It brings up feelings that the owners will fear they will experience their own worries about them getting older and complications about illnesses. It's a parallel process. So pets can be a valuable tool in our life. These magnificent creatures tell us a story about life, a story about forgiveness and compassion. If you've had a pet, you know what I'm talking about and a story about transitions, life and death. I wanted to slow down a bit and take another breath. I am just going to breathe into this moment slowly and releasing it. I hope that the next time you see an animal, you consider the parallel process occurring in our lives and these beautiful personalities. They have a purpose and their purpose has more meaning that cannot be fully understand. Thank you, Jocko, for helping me through the grieving process. Oh my 
Thank you to the amazing teacher, Miss Stein. You have done so much, and look, I still remember you many, many, many years later. If you, too, are experiencing some sort of grief or loss, remember to seek out professional help. Grieving is natural. Crying can be beautiful. It can be a release. And... Thank you for allowing me to share a little bit of what I experienced in my own healing process about life and death transitions and how animals were helpful in my process. Welcome, welcome. It is March of 2022 and I am excited. We are heading at least in Southern California into spring. It is beautiful. Um, And I get to talk about something I really enjoy. One of my favorites with the Octaves method is the for victuals. I love opportunities when I get to talk about nutrition and detoxifying foods for the mind, body and spirit. You know, there is less talk about this stuff in my field, especially in terms of nutrition. I have some ideas and I suspect some reasons why. Um, And, you know, maybe one of the main reasons is because of the resistance in my profession. This may require mental health professionals to make some changes in their own food choices. Hmm, I don't know. Mental health professionals, you know, will have to want to be healthier. Here's what I mean. I know doctors that treat heart disease and cancer and they smoke cigarettes. There are even those doctors who treat obesity and they may struggle with weight themselves. I know doctors who say one thing, but they are doing something different in their lives. Therefore, Mental health professionals who treat mental illness, depression, anxiety, and even personality challenges struggle with this. They, sh- they have their own issues and sometimes they don't get the professional help they need. I say this not as a blame or to be critical. That's just not who I am. I mention this because we need to understand more about what is going on and do less judging and criticizing of others. You know, I, I too fall under this category. I say to myself sometimes, you know, I am perfect just the way I am. And being perfect for me is finding balance. So I'm not 100% vegan. I'm not even 100% eating raw vegetables all the time. I am working on balance without having, without having to put all of these labels on myself. Yet, in the same breath, labels are used to cluster people together. And as a place, it, is, it communicates a certain experience, a certain common shared experience. So, I may indulge in a vegetarian pizza with cheese. I know that if this is the case, I will need to do more and add more detoxifying foods like herbs to help the body process. I may order something like french fries, maybe at McDonald's, 
and I know that it is cooked in the worst form of oil and that they use animal fat. So I may need to balance it with other foods that help break down these ingredients in my body. It's about balance, balance, balance. I usually stop eating for a day or two if I go this route. And that's kind of how I keep the mind, body, and spirit balanced. I wouldn't say that I would eat meat though, but this is a personal choice. But if it gets into my diet because of a social or environmental situations, I'm definitely not going to drive myself crazy. When I was sitting with some indigenous families in Australia, they offered me kangaroo stew. I tried it for the experience and out of respect for the families and their culture. I also follow this with a detox blend of seeds and herbs, usually which I keep accessible to me. It's in my purse. I find balance and this is what I am suggesting for you in terms of learning about the connection food has with mental health. If you wake up in the morning, you need a cup of coffee. You may choose to add sugar and creamer. If you notice your anxiety, yep, that anxiety going up, there are some irritations in the mind, uncontrollable thoughts. Your body may have the jitters or a temporary boost of energy followed by fatigue. You may need to find some balance with that coffee. Now, I would not encourage anyone to do one or two or three or four cups of coffee unless it was like an occasional thing. Coffee is a stimulant. Sugar provides a false sense of energy and it is followed by a drop in blood sugar, contributing to fatigue. So if you have your coffee, maybe one cup a day, preferably in the morning, no white sugar. You can also consider some alternatives, maybe something natural, less toxic, with a little bit of sweetness. After you do that, then give yourself some protein, maybe a hard boiled egg for some. Others, it may be hummus and pita, spinach salad and hemp seeds, or avocado with a dash of black salt. The protein in these items will help balance the caffeine and your blood sugar. After some time, start to slowly move away from the coffee and maybe try something else, like wheatgrass with glutathione. This gives you so much energy. This is one of my morning routines and I can do strenuous activities in the morning. And this is kind of what I have for my breakfast. Too many stimulants in the body can cause it to be overloaded, resulting in agitations in the mind, body, and spirit. So what I will suggest now is maybe not based a lot on research, but I feel comfortable I'm able to justify it because I've asked questions and had conversations with many mothers who have children with symptoms similar to attention and hyperactivity. Parents who drink coffee and caffeine sodas 
during the pregnancy daily reported these symptoms in their children. This led me to think, this led me to think more deeply about the impact coffee and some other stimulants has on the infant's developing brain. Let's transition a bit and talk about other options that support mental wellness. So, my morning routine for energy and preparing the mind, body, and spirit for the day is a glass of warm water with a little bit of lemon. Warm herbal tea, but nothing else added, or wheatgrass and glutathione. So you have to ask yourself, if you are moving towards mental illness, that can result from you being out of balance due to these maybe excessive stimulants because the body needs to digest it and that's where the energy is being directed. You, are, you can also ask yourself, are you moving towards mental wellness? Are you finding balance with these agitations? Are they under control? Coffee, it's not the only substance that causes agitation. There are food items that we even prepare for breakfast. It is incredible that schools and families give children breakfast items that are so toxic to the young body that it intensifies the symptoms and increases it in terms of intensity and frequency. More children are being diagnosed with autism, ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder, and even bipolar disorder. And we're not looking at our child's morning routines. Let's say, for example, let's say the parent offers a child a Pop-Tart or stops at McDonald's and gets pancakes, sausage, and hash browns. These foods, you know, are somewhat similar to what is provided to children while at school for breakfast. You know, there's a relationship. These foods are toxic. These foods are toxic to the mind, body, and spirit. They are filled with toxins, pesticides, stimulants, sugars, oh my goodness, and salts. The body can't process all this work. And not even we're not even considering if the kids have food delayed reactions. No wonder why children are struggling in school. I have sat in on hundreds of IEP, which is your independent educational plan, IEP meetings, and I asked the question about nutrition. Eh, it's dismissed when I ask it and often forgotten, but definitely not written down on any of the treatment goals for the school to help support the child while they're in a learning environment. Schools will not change their breakfast items until the law forces them to. Thanks to Michelle Obama, she at least pushed for more vegetables and fruit options for lunches and snacks before it wasn't even available. A kid couldn't find a salad. This was only addressed because of the rising political concern of obesity. But it, it can't stop here. 
There is a bigger danger on the rise for young people. And as a society, we must ask, are we moving our kids towards mental illness? Hmm. I think that's what McDonald's does. And should we be moving the kids towards mental wellness? Hmm. Maybe that's what an avocado can do. I suggest another consideration, something I have found on my journey. Breathless is about breaking a fast. If you have ever fasted for some time, you know the body needs foods that will wake up the digestion, not send it into overload. A friend told me she wakes up, goes into her garden, picks her breakfast directly from the garden. Whoa, wouldn't that be beautiful if kids woke up in the morning, grabbed a handful of spinach filled with protein or thyme because of the natural lithium compounds in thyme? Yes, lithium. Uh-oh, not the toxic lithium used in extremely high doses made by the pharmaceutical industries to treat bipolar disorder, but the beneficial aspects of lithium, a mineral from the earth that soothes and calms the mind. You're giving your kid a good, healthy head start in the morning by doing this. Let's get the kids involved and learn maybe to make fruit roll-ups. Purchase an organic watermelon and blend it to water consistency. You can add a little bit of black salt and a little bit of lemon Get your dehydrator sheets out and pour the liquid on the sheet. Dehydrate for a few hours, maybe at about 105 degrees. Flip it and dehydrate more until it maintains a shape. Roll them up, place them in a BFA-free container. Then you got your healthy breakfast item for your kids. You can blend all kinds of fruits and you can try fruits alone. Make it fun, make it easy, and get the little kiddos involved. For adults, try half an avocado and one tomato. You can even dehydrate the tomato the day before for a different taste, and it also releases some of the nutritional potential. Cut it up, put it in a bowl, top it with some black salt, squeeze a little bit of lemon, and add some fresh herbs and cumin seeds. Now, you got a breakfast item satisfying all six tastes and your gut. Mm-hmm. It is going to be happy. It is also alkalizing. And keep in mind to get organic. You don't want to create this beautiful, nutritious breakfast and then fill it with pesticides. Oh, no. Make for sure it is organic. I have saved the best for last and it is simple. When you are anxious and you know that you may be going into an anxious situation, it may be work that causes your anxiety. It may be traffic, which used to be my issue in the past. It may be life in general or the need to remain calm during intense situations. Prepare prepare, prepare, and prepare more. Try lemon balm. 
you can start to grow it in the home. Oh, it has a beautiful scent. You can grow it indoors or outdoors. You can purchase it at the health store in a tincture to ingest, smell, or as a rubbing agent. You can get it as an aroma, a candle, incense, or oil for the diffuser. You can also get it in a pill form if that meets your need. You can add it to water, tea, or food. I use it as a seasoning. I grow it in my backyard, wash it, dehydrate it, crush it, and then put it in an herb container. I add it to my meals weekly to help maintain my balance. Lemon balm is something simple. I love it and you will enjoy it too. V is for Victo and it is about balance and finding ways to heal the body, mind, and spirit with no, let me say this again, with no side effects. Foods can cause illness, maybe not immediately, and for some time, it is hard to see the direct correlation because there may be some resistance in your mind involved that doesn't want you to believe the connection. Food can move you towards wellness now and in the future. When you are ready to move towards wellness as a part of the Octaves method, I encourage you to consult with an organic nutritionist or someone specializing in healing the mind, body, and spirit through natural and integrative means. Last week, I shared information about Victos and the connection with ADHD, autism, oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder, and even anxiety. I discussed the relationship these symptoms can intensify based on the foods that you choose to eat. I provided some simple meals to break up your morning fast for both kids and adults. Then I concluded with my favorite herbs, lemon balm. This episode will look at E for exercise. If you purchased my book on Amazon, Heal Thy Mind, Seven Strategies Towards Mental Wellness, Happiness, and Success, then you know you have choices. And let your environment be the guide. Let your environment guide you. When it is cold, Maybe cardio is your option. If it is warm, perhaps swimming is a good fit for you. When spring rolls around, maybe maybe hiking becomes your choice. Change up and try a variety of activities. This tricks the muscles and adds to more mobility within the body. Let me illustrate what I mean. In Southern California, we are nearing and entering into springtime. It is a time of beauty. Although I appreciate all seasons and changes in nature, spring has a special place in my heart because it encourages me to think about my meal planning for the year. Yes, uh uh-huh, yes I said it, for the year. I am a home gardener and I have been engaged in this practice probably since around 2017, but I wasn't as committed until COVID around 2019. COVID introduced me to the idea that I needed to control my health, 
To maintain my health, I needed to manage my food. Then I discovered I wanted food free from pesticides, chemicals, and other harmful substances to the mind, body, and spirit. So it meant I needed to learn more about this process. I started to read, listen to other gardeners, and took a few workshops. This was my mental exercise. Now to the good stuff. I did many things beginning my gardening process. I learned about bugs and these little wormy things. One thing I appreciated about my early experiences was in my recovery of something called endophobia. This phobia is a form of anxiety expressed as an intense fear with insects. It was expressed in a mild form for me as it wasn't disabling, but it did prevent me from enjoying many aspects of my life. My worries were clearly irrational. I had intense responses when around insects or even watching them on media or other um, outlets like TV or commercials, even when people talked about them. I did many things to avoid insects at all costs. I would tremble and cry, especially when I was younger. My heartbeats intensified. I struggled to breathe in certain situations. Over the years, I tried many things to minimize my reactions. And some techniques worked, and some methods did not work. I didn't give up though. It was gardening that brought me closer to nature and closer to insects. In my second year of growing tomatoes, I came across aphids. Oh yes, these little, little insects. At first, when I saw them on my tomatoes, I left them alone because I felt emotionally unable to address the issue. I don't know if this has happened to you, but it does not make it better if you leave something alone. It, it gets worse. So, I ended up with an infestation. Oh no. This was another opportunity for me to heal. I could make a choice. Do I move towards wellness? Or do I get closer to a diseased state? This time, I chose to move towards health. I researched and encouraged other insects into my garden to help create an environment where the aphids would not survive. It took some time, but I saw some improvements. I was more intentionally caring of my tomatoes in the morning and evening. I usually did a morning and let's say an early afternoon supervision of the tomatoes. Really, I got a lot more vitamin D during these periods and vitamin D is good for my health. Vitamin D supports energy and healing the body. The aphids got me outside and into my garden more frequently. Whoa! They provided me with the opportunity to be in the sun for short periods of time. They supported building my immune system. The parallel process I began to experience. What I feared in the past led me down a healing path now. Thank you, aphids. And I figured 
I would have it down on the next harvest. This was a spiritual experience. Ooh, now, now to the next harvest. It came around and I was excited to get those tomatoes in the ground. My beautiful tomatoes were growing. I saw the flowers blooming and then in no time, these tasty yellowish green fruits were forming. Then it happened. Squirrels discovered they were in my garden. These small rodents were fast and I could not catch them. Now, my husky Mona is a good hunter and she enjoys this both for fun and as a sport. It is part of her, I'll say, natural instincts. She did well keeping them away during the morning and evening hours, but she would not go outside when it was hot. The squirrels knew this, and this was their time to munch on my tomatoes. There were moments when Mona and I would sit by the door and wait for hours, and then the squirrels showed up, but as soon as I opened the door, they were gone. I didn't enjoy any tomatoes during this harvest, but the squirrels did, and they appeared to really love them. They would sit on my raised garden bed, chomping and smiling away. It was kind of beautiful, but I had to figure out a way to save the tomatoes so I can enjoy them too. <laughs> I would not do anything to harm squirrels. That's just not me. I don't want to capture them or put them in crates or try to trick them in some way. Eventually, I did get a water hose that squirts out water when motion is detected. That worked. But then one of my dogs would refuse to go outside because the water squirter, squirter scared her. <laughs> I have decided to keep the water squirter but now I only use it during my hot days when my garden is getting near harvest. I thought, what else can I do? This is where the exercise part came in. I was told to set up an area for small animals so that they can enjoy, you know, particular fruits or, or nutrition. And they wouldn't go into the other areas. I decided that I would put this in my front yard. My Mona will probably attack anything in the backyard, so I created another garden area in the front. Now this is lots, lots, and lots of work. This is what I learned about starting a home garden, keeping in mind there is so much more to learn and experience. First, think about the area. Look at where you have sun. You want to consider how many hours of sunlight you have. I went outside every hour to check over months. So I got my steps in because I was curious myself. And during COVID, I had the time. Second, consider the water. You want to consider an irrigation system. It is much easier than having to water every day. For plants, automatic watering provides the consistency your plants will need. And it is easier, especially for me when I am away for a couple of days or even weeks. There are a few options to consider. 
The easiest is to get a soaking hose and connect it to a timer. This is something I use on my raised garden bed. Then there's the soil. Some people refer to this as dirt and gardeners, we call it soil. I use organic soil with fertilizer. This year I'm going to try some volcanic ash and do worm casting. What? Yes, you heard it here. I will be touching more worms. Whoa, never thought that was possible. Fourth, now what are you going to plant? There are many things to consider, but keep it simple. Start off with one or two things and then add some herbs. The spicy herbs will help control insects. Also, herbs and flowering plants will encourage an environment in which insects will come and eat the other insects so your plants can grow and sustain healthy vitality for you. If you decide to plant in a ground or a pot, your body must move. You will engage your feet, calves, and thighs. There's bending, squatting, and tightening your stomach muscles if you choose. You can build strength in your arms. Boy, I tell you, bags of dirt and rocks are heavy. Consider this a full body workout. And when I'm tired, I take a break. When I start a new garden, I learn not to do it all the same day or even over the same weekend. I break it up. I observe the sun. I think about the water source. I prepare the soil. And finally, I get to planting. This takes months and I have over 10,000 steps actively burning calories. This is my physical experience. So when it comes to spring, some of your choices for exercise could be gardening. I see it as a physically challenging process, but it also has mental and spiritual benefits. This is the integration of the mind-body-spirit. Now, how rewarding is that? To engage in an activity that brings you towards wellness. To engage in a movement that will sustain you and your family. You know what? I didn't even talk about the nutritional and detoxifying benefits of growing your own food. I'll say that for another podcast. Have fun enjoy the sun safely and consider gardening as an option for your wellness. I wanted to welcome you into this moment. This may be the first time you choose to listen to an episode or you may have subscribed to this podcast, Trauma and Social Work. However, you got here. I believe it is purposeful. I have known since being a child that I was born with many gifts, many of which were not revealed to me in childhood, but throughout life. The exciting part is that there is so much more to discover as I journey towards wellness, happiness, and success. In my book, I began with a proverb from Mother Teresa. Now, I'm not Catholic and did not grow up with the Catholic religion or cultural practices. However, I have had religious and spiritual experiences in my life that inspired 
me and guided me. This was one of those experiences. I was at an Ayurveda retreat. Ayurveda practices and medicines are based on Indian knowledges about the mind, body, and spirit. There are healing practices and ways to understand one's life purpose. I met an older woman who was at the retreat and I just loved her spirit. She was inspiring, compassionate, and loving towards me. She was also a hypnosis by profession. And at the time, I was moving towards wellness. I attempted hypnosis in the past and had some success, so I wanted to explore if this could provide me with an understanding of life. Keep in mind, at this time, I had not found my spiritual home, but this was a path I was open to take to get me to my spiritual home. I felt comfort with her, and she said and revealed many things to me that was stored in my subconscious. This was some of the best stuff. When you work with someone, a professional trained in a particular form of healing can, can help you see some of your stuff coming up. Yes, it can be scary. And yes, it can bring up all kinds of juicy emotions. But you know, the best part was that I cried. Now, I don't cry a lot nowadays. I felt like I cried so much in my 20s that I got all those tears out. This was different. And I was ready to cry differently. I talk about the crying that is revealed when you are healing. Not from trauma. Not from a depressed state. But when your soul cries and heals from within. It was the beginning of me letting go and forgiving all situations, experiences, beliefs, etc. all the time. It was slow and steady and uninterrupted. I wasn't bothered by the tears, but joyful. I was in a place with someone in this intimate setting in which I could reveal this vulnerable part of myself. Towards the end of my hypnosis session, she read this to me, a Mother Teresa saying, People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyways. When you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find sincerity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Be good anyways. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. 
it was never between you and them. At that moment, God revealed another clue to me about life and my purpose. My purpose is to serve. Now, I'm good at helping others. I have served the poor, people of color, those who did not have a voice, and those who spoke too loudly, but no one would listen. I have served my family, my neighbors, and my community. This was a transition for me, now to serve God and find out what it meant in this lifetime for me. Not only did I continue my journey, especially as I discovered Egyptian yoga, but I continued my journey within me, understanding the path to healing myself. This is what the S in socialize means as a part of the Octaves method. Socialize is not about going out and meeting people. It is not about being popular with friends and family. Socialize is going within and understanding more about oneself. It is more profound than discovering what triggers you. It understands the whys. Let me give a few examples. When I was driving or sitting in traffic, some irritations arose in me. I complained about other drivers, often switching multiple lanes, and I would constantly cut people off. And I would even say, slow down, what's going on with you? As if they were the problem. Then I would discover I was working on patience. When I would have a conversation with my spouse, he would ask so many questions. I found irritations building up. My ego would go into defense mode yeah, I was working on patience. At lunch with my mom, she would ask if I wanted to share her meat-related items. I am vegan, telling myself as irritations would begin to arise again. Yeah, I was working on patience. When I was working with a client and things were scary and I wasn't listening deeply, I wanted to do action steps without really and truly understanding. I was working on patience. When my kids were going on their journey, they pushed me away. I felt ashamed and angry, but underneath all of this was patience. Can you see the theme for me? I needed to work on patience. So I did. In doing this, other stuff came up and my understanding and practicing getting to know myself in a more profound and a more meaningful way. Then, guess what pops up? It's big head, humility. I felt shame for some of my choices and I had emotional secrets that I kept hidden from myself. I needed to know more about being humble on my path towards wellness, happiness, and success. There is tons of research on humility. Many spiritual leaders and religions talk about humility as central and necessary to living a freeing and satisfying life. When I looked up humility online, I found ideas about modesty, having a low perspective of maybe self-importance, humbleness, freedom from arrogance or pride, 
being down to earth, even ranking oneself lower than others. Humility means one's openness to discovering the good and bad stuff created within the mind, body, spirit. To know that I made a choice in the past and present, these choices are learning opportunities, and some of these choices bring temporary pleasure and some bring temporary pain. Being humble, being humble is figuring out the truth, listening with your ears and engaging with the third ear. Being humble is not only looking at others, but persistently keeping the focus on yourself. It is humility that helps me to understand myself, but it was the many experiences with patience that got me here. In your reflection, maybe in this moment or maybe in a later moment, ask yourself, what patterns are created in your life to help you understand what patterns are being created in your life to help you understand what are you working on what is it that you are working on and is there a deeper meaning for you is there a deeper meaning for you? Remember to take time to build a relationship with yourself, to learn ways to socialize with yourself so that you can be on the path of discovery and on the path towards healing.